pop, be more chill. chill welcome back to pop your pop culture podcast i'm ken mills one of your hosts today and i'm joined by christine carlson wolf hi ken hi christine you got the soundtrack to this thing called be more chill to me and you told me to just check it out i did yeah what'd you think i listened to it and i thought it was pretty darn cool and then you told me there's more to it that this is a play that's coming back after three years of being dormant. Not only that, you said you could get somebody from Be More Chill on our show, one of the stars. And it's pretty easy, I guess, when you're related to them, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> Don't show all your hand at once, Ken. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Be More Chill is opening at the Pershing Square Signature Center on 42nd Street. That's off-Broadway, kids, on July 26th for previews. We're pretty excited about having our guest today. Well, let's find out what Be More Chill is all about. What is a squip? <laughs> Do I have to really take this pill? It's just like a little tic-tac. It's okay. You're sure? This, is, this isn't going to cause me any trouble, is it? Ha no, just ha you might want to have some Mountain Dew handy. Okay. Okay. This is Caitlin Carlson of Be More Chill, and you are listening to Pop, a pop culture podcast. And now joining us on the Pop Hotline, someone very cool, someone very special. Please introduce yourself. Hey, pop listeners, this is Caitlin Carlson from Be More Chill. Yes, and it's amazing what is happening with this. Uh, would you tell us about Be More Chill and how you got involved with it? So Be More Chill is currently in the midst of one of, I think, the craziest journeys that an original musical has ever gone on. Joe Iconis and Joe Trace were commissioned to write this show for Two River Theater in Red Bank, New Jersey years ago. So they started working on this project years even before I was involved. But I originally did the pre-production staged reading in 2015. At that point in my career, as I am currently, I was doing mostly TV and film. So going in for a musical was a little off the beaten path for myself. But I went in and did a really crazy audition for this very fun, crass role of Chloe Valentine. And um, I think I just gave them something really unexpected and really different. And they, I was fortunate enough to be cast. And then they asked me to stay on after the reading to continue playing the role in the New Jersey production, which went extremely well it was like a pretty brief it's like a two month long run maybe one month I can't even remember at this point you know for as a regional production in New Jersey that it went as well as it could have gone it was getting such a great response from you know the New York scene and the New Jersey scene just people coming over and over and it just felt like this was kind of a special different project and it got such a great response that we made a cast album after the show closed and you know we all, all kept hoping we were gonna come to New York and transfer and do the show again and you know years went by and then just about a year and a half ago the album exploded on the internet 
and demand for this show just sort of blossomed to the point where producers in New York couldn't ignore it anymore. And there was such a huge demand for it that we are going off Broadway, which is just absolutely crazy and fantastic. And I was very fortunate enough to be asked back to play Chloe again. So that's the short version of the story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, I know that you're excited because soon... This play is coming back to life after three years. Mm-hmm. Caitlin, would you tell people where it's going to be at? This show is going to be at the Pershing Square Center at the Signature Theater on 42nd Street off Broadway. Um, our first preview is July 26th. Opening night is August 9th. Do you think people will show up in costume? I sure hope so. I love a good photo op. I love a good Instagram moment. So come in your finest Middleborough high gear. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's great to see a cult growing. You know what I mean? Some sort of cult thing like Rocky Horror or Little Shop of Horrors. This is, this is new. This is modern. This is now. And it's great to see a culture develop. Yes. Now, we've already alluded to it earlier, but you two kind of know each other. We do. You could say that, yes. (laughs) Katie, tell them how we met. Well, Christine is my aunt. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. One of my dad's sisters. So having you as a guest on the show got a little easier as a result. Right. A little. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) she she's she's much in demand you know it was tough (laughs) we've been trying to schedule this for a while haven't we it was not a hard sell conceptually (laughs) christine got this soundtrack and she turned me on to it and this is kind of my run with a lot of things on broadway okay Or, or a lot of what are musicals This reminds me of Rocky Horror in the sense that I had this soundtrack before I could ever see it, right? And the same with even Little Shop of of Horrors, right? And and to me, this soundtrack is really propelling this thing back into existence. What's it like to go three years out of something and then to be called back to it? It's wild. It's the kind of thing where... Maybe I'm not cool enough to entirely leave projects behind that have meant a lot to me because I know I know actors who like you know they do something and then they kind of forget about it. Whereas I, I feel I feel so lucky to do any work that I do, but especially something that feels very meaningful and different and meaningful and different to other people. So this project had always stayed with me. And I would absolutely be lying if I said I didn't listen to the soundtrack many, many times in the interim between when the show closed and today. So um, it's definitely been a part of my life. It's, uh, it has meant so much to people and the fan response and the fans that I'm in contact with you know, it's kind of like that doesn't make it any easier to pretend that the show is not a part of my life, you know? So it's uh, it's it's pretty trippy to be actually doing it again. It feels inevitable and unbelievable at the same time. Now, this is one of those shows that's kind of hard to wrap your mind around 
and I'm going to say the older you get, right? Because <laughs> it's it, it's not something you can just sum up in one sentence, right? It's it's to me, I almost was trying to think of the best ways to to let people know what the show is about. I thought like uh, IT crowd meets uh, Little Shop of Horrors, right? But that doesn't <laughs> sum it up at all. It's that's just part of the the uh, conflict in the story, right? Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell people what you think this show is about? Well, I think you're so spot on with the Little Shop reference. I know that is a major touchstone and influence for Joe Iconis as well. We share that as one of our favorite musicals of all time. So the logline that I have always kind of used for the show is that it's Little Shop of Horrors set in the world of mean girls with a dash of the Matrix. Mm-hmm. So That's an excellent description. Yeah. <laughs> So it's definitely a a high school musical comedy that appeals to all ages, but it has a sci-fi twist. So basically it's about a young man named Jeremy here, who's a very unremarkable young man, and he just wants to be a little cooler. He doesn't want to necessarily be the hero of the story, but he just wants to stand out a little bit. And so he finds out about this device called a squip, which is a super quantum unit Intel processor computer that you swallow, it implants in your brain, and it tells you what to do, which are literally the lyrics of the song that explains what the squip is. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the squip kind of pops up and he's this sort of helpful, potentially nefarious influence on Jeremy's life. And he definitely helps him to be more chill. But at what expense? Mm -hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. (laughs) And when I listen to the soundtrack, I'm building this story in my head. And this is something that has made the same sort of thing is what has brought this project back to life. Correct. Because people were able to stream and listen to and purchase the soundtrack to a play that they haven't been able to see in three years. Yes. It's so exciting to me. Like that that was my first thought, actually, when I found out that we were doing the show again. Well, my very first thought was, are you kidding me? This has got to be a dream. And the second thought was, I was just so excited for so many people who have been loving this show so hard and don't even know what's in the book. And the book is the script that's uh, the interim between songs, which most of which is not on the album at all. So there's like an entire play that people don't even know about, essentially. They can piece things together, they can read the liner notes, but like there's a fantastic script that accompanies these amazing songs. Um, and it's just, it's just so exciting to me that people will finally get to see this entire show. Let's talk a second about that soundtrack, though, right? You were fortunate enough to see it's an original cast recording, so that means you're on it because it's from the New Jersey production, right? It's the New Jersey cast. Yes. Yes. And when you say it exploded about a year or so ago online, that's a little humble. It has had over 100 million streams, hasn't it? Oh, I, I can't believe that. I was just talking to the, actually the producer of the album the other day. We ran into each other at a Joe Iconis show. I'm a fan as well as a friend. And um, <laughs> he was telling us that, yeah, it's had over 100 million streams and it's the second most streamed musical after Hamilton. Wow. It that- blows my mind. 
That's amazing. So beyond the cast recording, I love teenagers. I love how they are just all heart, all emotion. This show kind of addresses that. But I love the fact that they're going to fill a void, right? Mm -hmm. So they found this album. They have no show to see. Mm -hmm. They've kind of taken it and, and built a world around this on its own out on Tumblr and Instagram through something called hashtag fan art Friday, right? Well, that's one tiny part of it. So um, the Tumblr world is tumblr.com. That's a whole, uh, it's a blogging universe with like art and fan fiction. I'm not really part of that world at all. Like Instagram and Twitter are kind of the extent of my social media prowess. It really exploded on Tumblr, like with with fan fiction as well as fan art. And then uh, the fan art found its way to Instagram and people started tagging me in their in their art of Chloe and tagging me in their art of Be More Chill. And it was just, it was so incredible and overwhelming. And it was honestly, I'm, I love seeing this stuff. And there are some genuinely, insanely talented fans out there who are doing this incredible work. And it feels very, uh, it feels like an honor to just like have someone's talent and love poured into just even a little, you know, digital doodle or something. So hashtag fan art Friday is something that I, I acknowledge. I just, you know, take that opportunity to post uh, some fan art every week. And it's just like a little nod to the incredible fandom that is the reason the show has a life after the New Jersey production. I love it. I love it. Yes, I, I've seen some of those that you've um, highlighted. And uh, for anybody out there who's on Instagram, uh, you might want to check out, look up the hashtag Fan Art Friday and, and hashtag Be More Chill. And there are some extremely wildly talented folks out there. Well, to your point, it's so true. But because people have not been able to see the show I mean there's like a bootleg of the show that exists um, but uh, we're not supposed to talk about that so much um, people have absolutely built out their own world based on their own imagination their own perception of these characters which is just so fascinating like it's mind-blowing uh, how people have latched onto it and really made it their own it's very very cool mm-hmm. it's great to see when a property or a TV show or whatever can create an entire culture unto itself. That's always a sign of something great happening. I agree. I'd like to play one of the songs. And Christine, which song would you like to play right now? Well, I I would love to hear Jeremy's opening number, More oh Than Survive. Oh my. There's a lot <laughs> going on in this song. Let's just leap right into it. Come on, come on, come on. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Caitlin, what's happening in this song? Why don't you set it up for our listeners? This is the very first moments of, um, and Jeremy, the awkward teenager, is sitting at his computer desk one morning before school, waiting for something very, very important to load on his laptop. <laughs> Don't say come up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, load is one word. So <laughs> I can tell you that I identified with this as a teenager. Uh 
for sure. I mean, to pretend that it's not a part of the teenage experience, you know, come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> so this is where we meet the main character, and this is before his big battle with evil and finding out who he is and what's important in life. This is just him trying to get through the day. He's trying to yeah. avoid all the pratfalls of high school, right? Yes, and we meet literally every single character in the show pretty much in this opening number. It's a really genius number, so let's uh, give it a shot. Very good. Come on, go, go. I'm waiting for my porno to load. My brain is gonna freaking explode. And now, of course, it's time to hit the road, which means I'll be uncomfortable all day. But that really isn't such a change. If I'm not feeling weird or super strange, my life would be in utter disarray. Cause freaking out is my okay. Good morning, time to start the day. Come on, come on, go, go, come on, come on, go, go. Should I take a bus or walk instead? I feel my stomach filling up with dread. When I get nervous, my whole face goes red. Do weigh the options calmly and be still. A junior on the bus is killer weak. But if I walk when I arrive, I'm gonna straight up reek. And my boxers will be bunchy and my pits will leak. God, I wish I had the skill to just be fine and cool and chill. I don't wanna be a hero Just wanna stay in the line I'll never be robbed in Nero For me, Joe Pesci is fine And so I follow my own rules And I use them as my tools To stay alive I don't wanna be special, no, no I just wanna survive Come on! Come on, go, go, come on, come on, go, go. So Jenna Rowland said Madeline told Jake, I'll only have sex with you if you beat me at pool. And then she lost at pool deliberately. That is so awesome. Brooke, I mean slutty. And then Madeline was all I'm like, telling the story, Jenna. Oh my god, he's like totally getting off on that. Yo, don't touch me, tall ass! Sorry, I was just trying to get to the- D. Yo, what's the story with Madeline? Oh man, I shouldn't say. But it's a good thing I rock at pool. I navigate the dangerous hall. Focus on a poster there on the wall. Avoiding any eye contact at all And trying hard to remain unseen The poster's closer now, what does it say? It's a sign-up for the after-school play It's a sign-up sheet for getting called gay And that's not what I need right now And scene, I hang a left in there's Christine, Christine, Canigula, Christine. Did you say something? I, but. Uh, <laughs> well, that 
was smooth, that was super pimp. My Mac Daddy game couldn't be more limp. No time to wallow, no instead. Just clear your brain and move ahead. Except that you're one of those guys who'll be a virgin till he dies. I don't wanna be a baller. Just want some skills to count on. If my nuts were any smaller, they would be totally gone. If I continue at this rate, the only thing I'll ever date is my MacBook Pro hard drive. I don't want to be Clooney, no, no. I just want to survive. Michael! Jeremy, my buddy, how's it hanging? Lunch is banging, had my sushi, got my slushy and more. The role was Maggie Maki and I'm feeling kinda cocky Cause the girl at 7-Eleven gave me a generous pull You're listening to Bob Marley again, aren't you? <laughs> oh, I'm listening to Marley and the groove is selling gnarly And we're almost at the end of this song Yeah, that was the end, now tell me, friend How was class? You look like ass, what's wrong? I wrote Christine a letter telling her how I feel That's progress! Yeah, I tore it up and flushed it Ugh it's still progress. It's all good. Hey, I saw in Discovery that humanity has stopped evolving. That's good. Evolution's survival of the fittest, right? But now, because of technology, you don't have to be strong to survive. Which means there's never been a better time in history to be a loser. <laughs> so own it. Why try to be cool when you can be- Signing up for the play. I was going to say getting stoned in my basement. But... No, I mean, look who's signing up for the play. Christine, 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 Canigula, Christine, Christine. Walking over there Take a shaky breath and I prepare Who cares if people think I'm lame Christine signed, I'll do the same I grab the pen, I write my name Yay! <laughs> I like gay people I'm never gonna be the cool guy I'm more the one who's left out Of all the characters at school I am not the one Who the story's about Why can't someone just Help me out And teach me how to thrive Help me
yet to descend And the period is going to end I'm just trying my best to pass the test And Tell us a little bit more about your character. You play Chloe Valentine, right? I do. Chloe Valentine is the most popular girl in school. The only description that I had of Chloe going into my audition is uh, she is crass and confident. And um, oh, she kind of got the casting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, no, please. Chloe is the queen bee of Middleborough High School. She has her sycophantic best friend, Brooke, and they're attached at the hip, and they are frenemies at times. And Chloe has recently gone through a breakup with Jake Dillinger, the most popular boy in school. And she's, as the squip situation starts to happen and... The uh, female protagonist, Christine, starts to get some male attention. It really throws off Chloe's equilibrium. So I personally think of Chloe as Cersei Lannister. is sort of my, um, mm. <laughs> one of my biggest mm. influences for playing this character, who's just like, she's constantly trying to hold on to power. And a lot of times that comes from a place of love and loyalty, but sometimes it's deeply misguided. It also mixed in with that is like the not completely fully formed teenage emotional brain where it's just hormones and emotions exploding all over the place. And that can not always lead to the best outcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't, why don't we play your big song and why don't you introduce it? So this song is taking place in the midst of the big party, the big Halloween party of the year um, at Jake Dillinger's house, so Chloe's ex-boyfriend's house, and she's seducing Jeremy to get back at Brooke, who has been the object of Jeremy's affection. So it's a whole triangle or quadrangle of of a power grab and attention grabbing, and Chloe is dressed as a sexy baby for Halloween, chugging vodka out of a baby bottle, and she uh, wants to spend a little time with Jeremy. Mm-hmm. So in this song, you're basically the seduction of the innocent to our hero, correct? Yes, absolutely. A lot of fans are, you know, very disappointed in Chloe in this moment, and rightfully so. And this is one of those moments where, you know, she thinks she's doing the right thing to maintain that um, that hierarchy in school and, um, and amongst her her peers. Yeah, it's not it's not the the kindest act on Chloe's part, and the squip is encouraging this act on Jeremy's part because he thinks hooking up with a popular girl will increase his social status. So the squip is not doing him any favors. So here is Chloe asking the musical question. Do you want to hang? Yeah, because God forbid we ask anyone just to date nowadays. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's Netflix and chill. It's hanging out. Want to hang I, out? I, I don't think Chloe had a date in mind, though. Right, right. <laughs> 
I don't think so either. And um, it might be worth mentioning to your listeners that um, Do You Want to Hang is a musical response to the act one question, Do You Want to Ride, which Brooke is asking Jeremy in the mall, mm-hmm. which is that- Do You Want to Ride Home from the Mall in My Mother's Car? And Chloe and Brooke have a little duet asking Jeremy if he wants to catch a ride. And Chloe is sort of uh, nefariously spinning that on its head into, do you want to hang alone? Jake's parents' room. Don't worry. They're not using it. Wow, you really know your way around. Yeah, I've had sex in pretty much every room in this house. What? Because I dated Jake. God, what kind of slut do you think I am? Do you want to hang? Do you want to hang? Do you want to hang for a bit? Just you and me intimately talking about all of our feelings and shit. Do you want to get? Do you want to get? Do you want to get really deep? We could connect if I get erect. You could rock this baby fast asleep. I have to go. I can't stand up. You're welcome. Do you wanna stop? Do you wanna stop? Do you wanna stop being coy? Do you wanna get? Do you wanna get? Wanna get inside my diaper, boy? Describe the squip, just just so we can keep folks updated as to what this is. The squip appears only to Jeremy and the audience. So Jeremy can see and hear this voice, which is the voice. It's it's like if Alexa was planted in your brain mm. and is helping you go through your day and um, tell you what to say, how to act, to stand up straight, and how to be cool. So the squip uh, is unseen by any other character. And except- he literally had to swallow the squip. Yes, it looks like a wintergreen tic tac, and but it, uh, <laughs> but it uh, flows through his his bloodstream and implants in his brain. And it becomes part of him, and it tries to control him to make him the best that that the squip thinks he should be. And exactly. at this point, the squip is telling Jeremy to go after your character because it's the smart move, right? Yes, it's the uh, strategically best, mathematically best move, but it's, you know, it's Jeremy wants to get together with Christine. He doesn't want to get together with Chloe. So it's a real push and pull between what's the strategically right move and what does his heart want to do. Yeah, and that's that's one of the great things about this show is that we forget how scary high school was yeah. and is and is. As we get older, you know, we worry about the the office politics or how this is going to be on my job. Will I get a good review and all this stuff? Back then, everything you did was suspect and everything you did was upon review. You know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. this deals with Jeremy trying to just be himself while at the same time, what does he have to do in order to become likable and popular? And it's a it's a betrayal of himself at times. And this is one of the things that when I was listening to the soundtrack, it, it plays it out really well. And the mm-hmm. squip 
is what turns out at the beginning to be a good thing for him later becomes bad because all it's worried about is success at at all costs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on and squips are able to connect to each other. So basically, it's creating this um, interneural network of people who just aren't acting like themselves anymore. And what does that mean when entire swaths of people have lost their true identity? But for a show that was like so three years ago, it is so current still. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, for sure. I love the name Middleborough. It's, it's a real town. But I love the name because really it could be any town anywhere, right? Absolutely. This is yeah. a battle that could go on in anyone's high school. Yeah, I think it's, although it is a real town, I think it's very much a, uh, you know, it's a Springfield. You know, it's it's in every town. We've talked about the squip. Why don't we play the squip song? Freshman year, I didn't have a girlfriend or a clue. I was a loser just like you. Good times would only soar by. I was gross, as every female would attest. My sexting was a futile quest. My little penis was depressed. He was so lonely. Poor guy. I was hopeless, hopeless. I was helpless, helpless. Every time I'd walk secret can't even look it up on the internet shit it's from japan it's a gray oblong pill quantum nanotechnology cpu the quantum computer in the pill will travel through your blood until it implants in your brain and it tells you what to do so it's like It's better than drugs, Jeremy. It's from Japan! It's a gray, a long pill. Quantum nanotechnology CPU. The quantum computer in the pill will travel through your blood until it implants in your brain and it tells you what to do. It tells you what to do. It's pre-programmed. Just a full-on slate of blowout vendors Of teenage rock star splendors Right now you're helpless, helpless You are almost hopeless On the school social map You're 
just a blip But if you take my advice And if you pay the listed price Well, then you go from sad to interesting to hip Yeah, your whole life will flip When you buy a This is like maybe my favorite song in the show. What makes it your favorite? It's, it is so clever. The Super Quantum Unit Intel Processor. That is an acronym that the writer Joe Trace came up with to, as, as an acronym for the word SQUIP, which, uh, a, wor- a word which was invented by Ned Vizzini, the author of the book Be More Chill, and which is just a clever word because it sounds sci-fi it sounds computery it also kind of sounds like script which is something that tells you what to do and joe trace basically made up this acronym and joe and joe determined exactly what it is that this pill computer does and joe iconis made those literal instructions the literal words of the song mm-hmm. so it's just like an incredibly clever and efficient way of explaining a pretty abstract, bizarre concept to an audience and to Jeremy here. And it's song is sung by Gerard Canonico, who's a fantastic, amazing performer. He's been on Broadway and he's just an incredible performer. And that great, it's from Japan! And that's called an opt-up. And Gerard did it as a joke one day in rehearsal. And Joe Iconis immediately wrote it into the music, which just cracks me up. <laughs> I love that I didn't realize that uh, that Joe and Joe unpacked the word squip and made it its own thing. Uh, I I I thought that was part of the book, but that's yeah, great. I, I would have assumed that as well. But when I read the book, I was like, oh my gosh, they actually made that up. And it's so perfect. They're, wow, these writers are really good. Hey, they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they're part of a squip hive mind. <laughs> could, right, we, we could be on to something, folks. I also think that squip, I immediately thought of squid, you know, like something that's got its tentacles going into every little thing. So it reminded mm-hmm. me of that, too. Yeah, it's Excellent. a yep. evocative word. It's an evocative, evocative word. Layers, man. Layers. <laughs> now, when did you realize you could sing like this? <laughs> I I don't really consider myself much of a singer, to be honest. I'm not a musical theater person traditionally, like classically. I, uh, I did musicals growing up. I love to sing. I definitely don't put myself in the same class as Broadway singers, but, um, you know, I can like rip up some karaoke and, um, with this Chloe number in particular, I get to channel a little bit of, I'm trying to do a lot of, uh, Britney Spears and Gwen Stefani-esque vocal fry and then that very, uh, <laughs> specific, uh, baby voice, which is really appropriate for someone dressed as a drunk baby. So, sexy baby. Um, a very sexy baby who happens to be who happens to be a little tipsy. Or a lot of tipsy. <laughs> the smartphone hour song. It's so damn clever. 
and it really pushes the story forward in an for me in an unexpected way. Um, not not having the the rest of the play to watch, right? I was it, I was surprised by what that song was revealing, but the way it's revealing it is it's so fun. Yeah, yeah. The smartphone hour is also one of my absolute favorite songs in the show. Um, if it wasn't so damn hard to perform, it would maybe be my favorite song. But that number, we leave the stage gasping, gasping for breath. It's it's just it's a sprint. It's a, like a six minute sprint. So the smartphone hour is taking place the day after the Halloween party, and Rich, who sings the Squip song, who was the original recipient of a Squip, who encourages Jeremy to get his own Squip. Rich is glitching out at the Halloween party and um, he's asking people for Mountain Dew Red and everyone's like, what are you talking about? You're going crazy. Uh, So Rich is having a really bad time and it's revealed the next day via a sort of social media um, chain of communication that Rich, he burned Jake's house down. He glitched out and burned down the house. So it's all the all of these friends of riches finding out what happened and then telling the next person and the next person and the information getting extrapolated and changed and um, falsely spread uh, to the point where it's just like a, this huge, crazy rumor mill of people who are not, not even witness to it, but want to be involved somehow in this tragedy. It's this horrible thing that happened to high school that they all feel very personally connected to. And the last line of the song is just so funny to me, um, or one of the last lines, rather. It's, um, I, I wasn't quite there, but it happened, I swear. So these <laughs> kids, you just like, they just want to be a part of it because it's such a big deal. All the all of them claiming together then at the end, he told me because he's my best friend. The song is called The Smartphone Hour, Rich Set a Fire. OMG, Chloe, answer me. Whoa, wait until I tell you what I heard. It's too fucked to type this shit is right. Call back. I'll yell you every word. Oh my god, oh my god, okay, so at the end of last night's party, very end of last night's party, did you see Rich? Oh, I saw Rich. So he's behaving hazy like a tweaking junkie, flailing crazy like a freaking monkey. He's gotta learn to handle his high, shouldn't drink so much for a small guy. Right, but he wasn't drunk. The hell you say, Yo, he wasn't drunk. The hell you say, No, because I heard from Tell you. Spit it out, spit it out. You really want me to tell you? Spit it out, spit it out. I'll tell you, cause you are my closest friend. No, I'm not. Yeah, I know. But here's what happened at the party's end. Rich set a fire and he burned down the house. Rich set a fire and he burned down the house. Everybody was screaming when a rich set of 
Look, answer me. Look, wait until I tell you what I saw. Ignore. And also space and frowny face. I'm sorry that Jeremy made out with me at the party, but it was totally his fault. And let's not let boys ever come between us ever again, okay? Smiley face, lipstick, kitty paw. Hey, we cool? We are. Okay, so at the end of last night's party, did you see Rich? No, I was crying. So encapsulates how teens communicate and identify and band together or not in the modern age, right? Via social media, via their phones. 
So this song is um, Joe Iconis's very deliberate wink and nod to the Bye Bye Birdie song, The Telephone Hour. So this was Joe Iconis's very deliberate wink at that song. Just a, a huge, outsized, crazy choreographed, sort of like cheerleader-esque number in the middle of at two. After like the most heart-wrenching song of the entire show, Michael in the Bathrooms. party of the fall I could stay right here or disappear and nobody'd even notice at all I'm a creeper in a bathroom cause my buddy kinda left me alone but I'd rather fake pee and stand awkwardly or pretend to check a text on my phone everything felt fine when i was half of a pair now through no fault of mine there's no other half there now i'm just michael in the bathroom michael bathroom at a party forget how long it's been i'm just michael in the bathroom michael in the bathroom at a party no you can't come in i'm waiting it out till it's time to leave and picking at grout as i softly grieve i'm just michael who you don't know michael flying solo michael But he's out there just ignoring all our history Memories get erased Then I'll get replaced with a newer, cooler version of me And I hear a drunk girl sing along to Whitney through the door I wanna dance with somebody And my feelings sink Cause it makes me think Now there's no one to make fun of drunk girls with anymore now it's just Michael in the bathroom Michael in the bathroom at a party I half regret the beers Michael in the bathroom Michael in the bathroom at a party As I choke back the tears I'll wait as long as I need Till my face is dry Or I'll just blame it on weed Or something in my eye I'm just Michael who you don't know Pressure 
can't help but yearn for a different time. And then I look in the mirror, and the present is clearer, and there's no denying I'm just an at a party. Is there a sadder sight than Michael in the bathroom at a party? This is a heinous night. I wish I stayed at home in bed watching cable porn. Or wish I off myself instead. Wish I was never born. Ah, just Michael, who's a loner, so he must be a stoner. Rides a PT Cruiser. God, he's such a I'm telling you now, if your teenager doesn't already have the soundtrack, (laughs) and they might, or if you don't have it, you need to get it. We will put in the show notes links to where you can find it. But of course, you can find it on Amazon and the and the other major CD outlets. It is not on iTunes. The last I noticed, but but you can get it through physical media. And uh, there there's a vinyl version coming out. Correct. There is, which is so cool. It's everything old is new again. I love it. Yeah. Now, we've discussed the the fan culture that's been going on. People are dressing up for this and creating fan art and animation. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. Mhm. And how does it affect you? Does it surprise you? I mean, what's your reaction? The fan art is mind-blowing as um as you know, if you've seen any of it, it's like it speaks for itself. It's just so uh, lovingly done. It's, um, very impressive. And, um, there's a lot of, uh, what the kids call shipping going on where they put two characters together that they would like to be in a relationship with each other. Um, so there's a lot of Brooke and Chloe, um, which has its own hashtag, which is Pinkberry, which is the shorthand for Brooke and Chloe are lovers. (laughs) Um, and I get asked about that a lot if that's, correct if that's the correct interpretation and honestly like I don't necessarily want to tell anyone they're wrong if that's a relationship that they can identify with or like take some comfort in or something that's not my business to tell them that their interpretation is is incorrect so I say you know ship whoever you want in this story and it you know it's Art is meant to be interpreted, so uh, interpret away. Make your art however it speaks to you. Well, you know, that's an important point, I think, too, Katie. Um, the This play, it doesn't end in a way that ties everything up neatly with a bow, right? We don't know who Jeremy ends up with, if anybody. We don't know what is the true nature of Brooke and Chloe's relationship, if anything, it is purposely vague. It is purposely hopeful so that the viewer, uh, the listener can, um, can make of it what is important to them. 
Yes, and I think the the finale song, uh, Voices in My Head, is just so brilliant because it encapsulates the the literal and figurative way in which negative voices and outside influences are always going to be chirping inside your brain. And you just have to be able to block it out and listen to your own conscience. The line about, um, and there are voices in my head, but the loudest one is mine. I got chills just now, just when you said that. Because that's such such an important message. It's so it's so true and so important. And you know, the squip chimes in at the very end. He says, "You know, I'll always be here. I'll always be listening. He's always going to be looming." Jeremy's able to, with the chorus of his friends, drown it out at least for that moment. That's a perfect setup. I think we need to hear that song now. Let's play "Voices in My Head." Gotta buy her a rose, compliment her on her clothes. Say you appreciate that she's smart. No man, you tell her that she excites you sexually. And that's the way you get to her heart. Trust me, I know how it's gonna go. Listen at all. And there are voices in my ear. I guess these never disappear I'll let them squeal and I will deal And make up my own mind Might still have voices in my head But now they're just the normal kind Voices in my head But now they're the normal kind Rope home slice if you need some dope advice. Now march on over and give her a shot. But you'll see it'll go perfectly if you listen to me, me, me. And there are voices all around, and you can never mute the sound. They scream and shout, I tune them out and make up my own mind. I still Voices in my head, but now they're just the normal kind. Voices in my head, but now they're the normal kind. I still remember how it felt. It's embarrassing to find out deep down I just want things to be easy. Yeah, but who wants things to be hard? Look, I almost destroyed the school. Maybe all of human civilization. I know that the last thing I deserve is another shot, but... Uh... Just say what's on your mind, Jeremy. Lunch? Just the two of us? And any voices in our heads? There might be voices in our heads. But I swear the voices there will be the regular kind. And the voices in my head have made up our collective mind. What do they say we should do? I think that all of us want to go out with you. And there are voices in my head. So many. 
nice guy mm-hmm. and I think that we've all been in his shoes right where we've had to figure out who we are which which of our voices do we want to listen to which one of our voices do we want to follow and which ones do we want to project I think that's something that we deal with every day right mm-hmm. definitely and this musical kind of deals with all of the troubles of growing up, being in the crowd of, of high school, but it, it follows you through every day. And I don't think that it's any big surprise as to why we're so fascinated with high school, right? We've all graduated, most of us, right? We, we've left mm-hmm. that in our past, but it's something that is used. It's such a fertile playground to describe what's going on with all of us. Uh, that's where we really find the best versions of ourselves, hopefully. Uh, that's really what graduation is, is hopefully you're finding your path, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really what this show kind of says to me. And that's a great song. It's going to be exciting. The play is opening up and that date and where it can be seen. You can catch Be More Chill at the Signature Theater on 42nd Street starting July 26th. So be more chill and check it out. That was smooth, huh? (laughs) (laughs) So Katie, my co-host here, Ken, Mm -hmm. is a huge Star Trek fan all the way back to the original series and through every iteration, every movie. And he and I are especially really, really loving Star Trek Discovery. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, somewhat of a sentimental attachment to Star Trek Discovery because of you. Unpack that and explain what is your connection to Star Trek Discovery? Uh, Years ago, 10 years ago, I starred opposite a young man named Doug Jones in a romantic comedy called My Name is Jerry, starring Doug Jones, who is now the star of Star Trek Discovery. It was my first starring feature film role and a very memorable experience. And Doug is uh, still a friend to this day. He's so incredibly talented. He really is. He sure is. And now he's... He has an Oscar for The Shape of Water as part of the ensemble, which The Shape of Water, definitely one of my 
favorite movies from last year. And it was so, so cool to see to see Doug playing that fish man. Yes, very good. <laughs> People might not know Doug, but he's the go-to guy in Hollywood for all the heavy prosthetic roles, right? He made a career on um, doing those heavily prosthetic roles um, because he was one of the only actors who had the patience and the good spirits to be sitting in that makeup chair for hours upon hours upon hours. And uh, yeah, he's he's the man. And My Name is Jerry was his first and one of his only roles where he's not under pounds and pounds of makeup and he's just playing a human being. Where he doesn't look like a complete alien. Correct. <laughs> yeah, he's very talented. You were you know, great, great that you got to work with him. Tell us about some of the other places we might see your work, Katie. You've done some guest spots just recently, right? Yes. My most recent guest star role was on a show called Henry Danger on Nickelodeon, which is a uh, a superhero live action sitcom. And it was absolutely wild. Um, it's just such a crazy, funny show. And um, that was a fantastic experience. And I was so excited to see my episode where I play kind of a a, a bit of a villain. And um, I've appeared in Master, in Master of None and Billions and um, the Jim Gaffigan show. A lot of stuff here and there. And something that I'm very excited about is a independent Christmas comedy, Holly Star, which is going to be coming out this holiday season. And it stars me. It's, uh, <laughs> I am. Yay! <laughs> it's so exciting. <laughs> it really wasn't fair of Ken to put the two of us on the same channel. I cannot appropriately fan out about my niece, who is <laughs> extremely talented and lovely and deserves all the good stuff. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, it's it's almost like you're like family here. Oh, well, we're all one big family, aren't we, Ken? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Caitlin, we would like to thank you for being on Pop today, and please keep us updated on what you're doing with your career and anything you ever want to plug. We are your home, and we are excited to be part of the Be More Chill phenomenon. Is there anything you'd like to say to? people out there that have been fans of this show what would you like to say directly to them fans of be more chill thank you so much for loving this show so hard you are very much the reason that this show is happening in an off-broadway capacity it's just mind-blowing how much loving something can really lead to something happening mm -hmm. amen there is power in the people so very good well, I just want, I want to thank you guys for having me on. I sure appreciate the opportunity to talk about something I that is so dear to my heart. Well, it's definitely our pleasure. Our show is, we, we do a lot of music, we do a lot of TV, a lot of movies. They, it tends to be more of a nostalgic look at pop culture, you know, so pop culture from the 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, so I was, with, with Everything Sucks, um, that's pulling us more into the current uh, material. And so I was happy that we were going to be able to talk about Be More Chill, not only because it's something that is on the rise and really booming, 
but it was also giving us a chance to talk a little bit more about musical theater, which we had touched on briefly, but not a lot. So I'm, I was happy to get that in here too. Well, fans of just pop music in general will also love this soundtrack because Joe Iconis is so in touch with music from all generations and tons of pop music. And um, he references things like Oingo Boingo and uh, soundtracks to John Carpenter horror movies as influences in this um, very like, you know, synth heavy and nostalgic score. It's both uh, nostalgic and modern at the same time. I just think it's a, a genius, a genius bit of writing. It's very much John Hughes meets John Carpenter, isn't it? That's a really good way to phrase it, yeah. <laughs> Once again, Caitlin, thank you for being on Pop. And we will see you all on the next episode of... Pop! <laughs> and that's our show. Pop is an online, nonprofit pop culture audio fanzine made for fans by fans. Any samples of music, TV, or movies heard here remain the property of their owners. Pop, a pop culture podcast, is not affiliated with any products we review or discuss. Opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of the pop staff. If you like something that you heard, buy it at your local record, video, or bookstores, or wherever pop is found. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying whatever you do, make sure it pops. Say goodnight, Dick. Saru. Said the geek guy right away. Saru. <laughs> I did not fuck around on that. I just banged. <laughs>